Come on, everybody, it's time to listen in to an actor and a teacher who love their wrestling. No more division, forget those prejudices. The Wrestling Connection is here with Glenn and Chris. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back. It is time for the Wrestling Connection podcast, my dear, dear friends. And it is episode number 54. Can you believe it? Such a ra- there's no significance in wrestling for the number 54. Um, so we have nothing really to go on. So this will probably be the shortest episode in TWC history. But we're back. Do you know what? This is the first time we're recording in ages because we did a post-WrestleMania reaction podcast, which I'm sure every single one of you have listened to. That was post-WrestleMania 37. We did that on the Monday. Um, but we had recorded the weeks, the, the episode after that week, yep. prior to that, you know? So we haven't actually spoke, Glenn and I, since WrestleMania 37. So I'm buzzing to see how he is. I'm buzzing to hear about his week. And I'm buzzing for episode 54 of the Wrestling Connection. Glenn, welcome back to the show. I have missed you. How are you? I'm good. Two things. First of all, when you said welcome back to episode 54, we hit 54 seconds on our timer. Listen, um, I am I am a master at this game now. And I refuse to believe anything otherwise. And wasn't Vince McMahon 54 when he became the WWF champion? <laughs> That number rings well, you know, oldest WWF champion. Maybe I'm wrong, because I can't I remember know. what year he was born, and because he, he won the title in 99, just before age, the six-pack challenge. Yeah, what age was Ric Flair when he got suplexed off the ladder by Matt Hardy at WrestleMania 22? Oh, now you see, I think he was pushing 60 at that point, but the thing is, Ric Flair's always looked old. He like, has, Rick, he Rick has. Ric Flair was old in 1992, Ric Flair was old in the NWA. I don't know if it's the bleach blonde hair, it's definitely or, if the hair. Deep, yeah. or if it's the eyes. Uh, or the way that he that he's always taught like everybody's drunk uncle. I don't know what. It, right. What it's, well, Ric Flair currently is seventy two, right? Right. And, okay. I mean, if you told me Ric Flair was seventy two ten years ago, I would have believed it. You know. Yeah. Um, which is nothing against them because we have a lot of time for Ric Flair. Um, so I'm not slagging him or anything like that, but he has been seventy two for a good. He I has. don't know, ten, fifteen years maybe. You asked me how I was doing, Chris, so I'm going to move yes. away from everyone's favourite uh, geriatric, and uh, woo, I'm going <laughs> to tell you, oh, here, you mentioned WrestleMania, one of the, like, obviously, we've talked to Dev about how good it was to see crowds back, but right. I missed the woos for a chop, like, real woos for a chop, <laughs> and I think I noticed it straight away in the, the Drew and Lashley match, there was a few chops, and uh, I'm yeah. glad that some things will, you know, we've lost a lot of things, and that we, we hold dear throughout this past year. But that thing that that won't die easily. Um, with, the, with the woo, the woo, the chopping woo. Um, thank you, Ric Flair. Yes, there uh, you go. You, uh, you mentioned you mentioned it was great having fans back. Obviously, it's a bit of a dip, like a, a step backwards going back to the Thunderdome. Yeah. Um, but I, you know they've got this new Thunderdome in the Euling Center, I believe it is, in mm-hmm. another sort of district of Florida. I quite like it. It looks different. It's I think the walls of the screens are higher. I don't know if yeah. it makes a difference. And it kind of curves more over to the actual entrance, if that makes sense. That's true. Um, and like the, the actual Tron itself looks... Th- so at least it looks a little bit different. You know what I mean? Yeah, freshen it up at least, as, as you know. But uh, I, I hope we get an announcement that WrestleMania Backlash is going to be yeah. in a stadium again. Or I, I, thought doubt that, it, but... I thought that, but I think we're cutting it a bit fine now. We are now. And stuff. But me, you um, know, there's always SummerSlam. Anyway, you asked me how I was. Yeah, how are you? I, I'm really, really good, man. I'm really good. Folks, I'm Glenn. Chris has said this much. Uh, if you're new to us, come in, sit down. You don't need to take your shoes off if you don't want to. It's fine. We're not that kind of household. Um, 
I I'm a teacher, dear listener. I've been uh, back at it full time with the kids for a week now. Going to say you'll be a tired boy this week. I am very tired, but I'll tell you this, right? See the restrictions that we have, like, and the 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 protocol that we have to follow. I.e., you know, I mean, distancing is impossible now because right. we're back. Absolutely. But, um, you know, the kids have we have to have a strict seating plan, so no moving about the class when you're if you're a kid in a classroom, you stay in that seat. Um, so, and that's for track and trace purposes. Uh, masks all the time for everyone. I was going to say, did they have did they have masks on during the lesson? During the lesson as well, all the time, unless you're taking a sip of water, right, or you're medically exempt. Now, that was the same as it was just before Christmas when I was last full time in a school, and back then I felt really handicapped by it. I felt really limited, and I thought I was going to feel the same way. But I realized that after three months of remote learning having masks and stuff it, it, i just feel so free be- just because it's the benefit of being back in with the kids yeah it's just um uh i, I can't it almost moves me emotionally to to try and describe how, how much i've realized that it means to me to be back in a classroom with 30 kids and and being there to reassure them especially the older ones who are freaking out about their grades yeah yeah uh, absolutely. it's a stressy time but I've, I have had a very tiring week, but it's been a very exhausting week. And, and now it's we're recording this on a very sunny Saturday. I'm chilling yeah. out in my living room with the dog and I've got a glass of water. It's just, I feel good, man. I feel good. Isn't like, oh God, the nice weather just makes such a difference, doesn't it? Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And we talked about this when we first started the podcast back in the day. We were like, oh, we're going to go walks and listen back to the show and stuff. And obviously I, I've carried that on. I'm sure you have as well, obviously yeah, yeah. walking Luna and stuff. But um you know, just the, going a walk just breaks up your day and stuff. But it's just what a difference it makes when it's like you don't need to wrap up massively and you don't need to be freezing cold and it's going to be a mm. burden on your day. It's something you can look forward to getting Definitely. outside and enjoying the sunshine. You know, it makes such a difference. Absolutely. So, so how have you been? Like legit, because we fired the odd text to each other, but we're not. We're not yeah. as friends. We're not. We don't often actually ask how are you. We're we're like, oh my god, look at this main event from SmackDown <laughs> 2002, or. Did you know that Crash Holly used the Styles Clash as a finisher in 2002? <laughs> I did not. Did. I, I did, did. I, just, I just watched that on SmackDown recently. So we talk about things or we say, like, are, are you? can you record at half one on Saturday? So right. how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very, very good. It's, it's again, everything's just kind of building up and it's making it feel like... Um, making it feel like we're heading in a good direction. and it's, it's just making such a big difference, which is lovely. And um, being able to see people again, you know, yeah. family and, and friends and that sort of thing, is is so nice obviously we're taking it as it comes which is fine and i happily do that um you are obviously in a different situation because your job requires you to be in front of real people and stuff and interact with real people mm-hmm. i'm not quite there yet i do have my first um acting gig booked in um for my return to my acting career yep <laughs> um since, since the start since so i'll be my first acting gig since march 2020 and it'll be on the 2nd of may 2021 which is the rock's birthday Nice. And, uh, I remember sign. that. I remember that because on the Rock's documentary, the epic journey of Dwayne Johnson, it starts off with his mum, mm-hmm. and his mum goes May two, nineteen seventy two. That's how I remember the Rock's birthday. So uh, yeah, so I'm going to shoot a music video on the second of May, and that'll be the official launch, the re- relaunch. It's like WCW's relaunch from uh, 2001 slash 2020. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's going to be good. That's going to be the first time I'm in front of real people again. And I'm buzzing for it. I'm just still working away at home and stuff, which is fine, and I'm used to it now. But it's time to kind of get back to social skills and speaking to people and interacting and telling jokes on the fly and stuff. That's just kind of how I yeah, how I prefer to do things. 
Absolutely. And by the way, we got a new washing machine, and it's just uh, I, it's it's going now off its nut, and I don't know if you can hear it. Well, mine just finished, but my real question is: you've just got it. Did Scottish Otis install it for you, Lizzie? No, 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 no. I don't even know who brought it, but I installed it this time with my dad. Whoa! Check yes. you out doing masculine things. Handyman. Remember, I was telling you a couple weeks ago. It was more than a couple weeks ago. I think it was back in February. I was helping my cousin build like an outhouse thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, if you can take any extra work when you're given it, it's it's great for some extra money and stuff. I'm just not. I'm not really a great handyman builder no. joiner kind of person. It's just not my thing at all. Um, but my cousin was like, "Oh, I'm I'm trying to build this kitchen, um, and I need someone to help me. Do you mind?" And I was like, oh God, like I don't mind at all when I'll do it for, I'll do it as a favour and stuff. And he offered to pay me and stuff, which was lovely. Um so I said, right, okay, let's go do this. So I spent about three days building a kitchen last week. And one of the reasons why I wasn't able to record last week either. And God, I'm telling you again, I'd like to re reconfirm that statement. Building things, being a joiner and all that good stuff, no for me. Yeah, it's for some people, but you know, and and I'm the I'm the same. I and the older I get the more I think about this, I have a lot of friends who are very handy. My wife is very handy, and right. like I, I often wish I could do things like, and just fix stuff. You know, if there's a problem, like you know, my father-in-law, like if if like the shower breaks, he'll just roll up his sleeves and he'll go and start digging up pipes and he'll he'll just fix it. Yeah. You know, and it's my and my stepfather does the same thing. Um, my brother's quite handy too, but me and my dad forget about it like you know you know that scene in still game where they get well isa has a leak in her shower yeah and winston goes in and fix it and she just fix it no bother and he goes eh, the thing you need to remember about pipes especially about big buildings like this and the thing just fires off and hits him in the face <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine that being you yeah that's me uh and so what i remember once being up at my my wife's parents place this was pre-covid like we were staying over like it was this i can't remember what time of year it was even but uh that the shower one of the showers broke in, in my, my in-laws house uh and it was this big job because the, like all the plumbing needed to come up and pub uh, like there was a blockage and things and so it was a multiple man job so like my brother-in-law colin was there uh, and and everyone started rolling up their sleeves to help and i kept asking <laughs> if i could do anything and literally i was just the guy that made tea and right <laughs> because because they knew my strengths it wasn't a mean thing or anything but we i was hoping that that's what my job would be uh, yeah, and, so, and you got it. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> well, I must say it shows, shows you how our minds go because there was a one point where my cousin had to run off and get some more tools or something, but I had to wait for the gas man coming, a bit like Ronald Villiers. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was waiting. Out, it was a lovely sunny day, and I was waiting out in the back garden of this house that we're building this kitchen. And I was quite proud of myself because I built a few of the, the wall units and stuff by myself yeah. and stuff. I was like, okay, good, we're making progress here. I was waiting out the back and I was waiting for this guy coming. And the house that we were building, um, their garden was like a perfect square. Yep. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like, listen, 10 years ago, I would have been having a full-on, you know, storyline going on here. I'd been wrestling myself, wrestling teddy bears. I'd be wrestling my jacket. I would have started a show because of these four perfectly corners of a ring, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how my mind goes. Um, I don't, don't worry, I didn't quite. I'm, I know I'm 63. I'm 23 now, but I, I, I didn't do it. You see, I don't believe you, but anyway, shall we, <laughs> shall we move on? Yes, it's been a it's been a big week in terms of watching lots of wrestling as well. It's been a busy week in terms of the wrestling world with lots of news and stuff and some releases and other things like that. It's always not nice to see people losing their jobs, especially when WWE just had their uh, revenue call and reported that they made a two hundred fifty eight point nine million dollar revenue in the yeah. first quarter of twenty twenty one. 
but we still have to cut people for budget cuts. I don't Why? know how that works. I mean, somebody explain that to me. How could you, how could even like the, from the biggest to the smallest shareholder in that company have anything to complain about uh, in terms of uh, the fiscal ongoings with the company that would warrant the release of lots of members of staff? Uh, you know, I'm all for a shakeup with your talent yeah. for reasons, but you know what? See if you think what's happening on your roster isn't working. Do a brand extent, do like a, a roster uh, shakeup, do a uh, switch a few people to different brands, uh, maybe get some NXT call ups and, and get some people back to NXT to, to try something that, you know, we were talking about. You know, splitting up the new day, putting one on Raw, putting one on SmackDown. Yep. I, I was like, Kofi on NXT. That is, you know, NXT needs something like that. So I don't think the answer is to fire a bunch of people. Yeah, Look, listen, think, think what good Mickey James could contribute and probably was contributing even in a non wrestling role for that company. And, How nuts is that, man? And obviously, you, there's nothing wrong with saying, listen, we're thinking of tidying up. If anybody wants out of their contract, let That's us know and we'll consider it. Just because I bet there's people that would think, would think, do you know what? Maybe I'll see if I can work for impact or nwa or aw or mlw or maybe i want to go to japan and you know i think there's so many better ways to do it and it's just not acceptable to send somebody's care package in a bin bag unless you are releasing duke the jumpster drozy that is not acceptable i don't know see when they're sending that away do you not think you go that's in a bin bag yeah you know what i mean i, I don't know uh what I was going to say, yeah, like Samoa Joe, for example, right? We don't know the reasoning behind that. It seemed to me, it reads like Joe wanted released. That's that's what it reads to me, and he got it. Um, well, you know, I, I I've heard people talk about the fact that you know because of whatever this freak injury, this concussion thing, right? That he he's had, he's and not he had, getting cleared. He, had, yeah. he hasn't wrestled for a long time, and so they have him on commentary. But then what that meant was he was the highest ever paid commentator. I think apart from like when you know when Jim Ross was commentating whilst also being the head Talent of relations, relations, he was yeah. he was a big earner at that point. He was making seven figures at one point. But you know, for for somebody who was exclusively just a commentator, you know, I think he was earning more than Michael Cole. Um, and so that that I think for them was difficult to justify. But then you, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think Samoa Joe. And this is just my hunch as a fan. I for for a guy who made his name without WWE and was already a big star without them. I don't think he's going to feel too damaged by this. I think yeah. now got more star power than he did before. Absolutely, doing something. So whatever he does, whether he takes some time off or if he if he's done with the in-ring action or if he does come back to the ring, which I hope so, because the man's only in his 40s, um, then just think about what he could do. And everybody's thinking about All Elite Wrestling. And I I think AEW is doing better now at becoming more of the variety show because, I, you know, they were a bit samey tonally. I think mm-hmm. over the last year they've really improved that. Uh, and Joe could only do great things there. I want some more Joe to wrestle Paul White. God, oh my God! Imagine that. Have you thought about that? Imagine he hit Paul White with a muscle buster. That would have been incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like the thing with Samoa Joe is right. He's been in outside of WWE for so long. You know, there was something cool about him being in WWE. Like mm-hmm. he's he was like Punk and Daniel Bryan and these people that like worked their way around everywhere. Yeah, and then ended up in WWE and had this great career and stuff, world champion, all that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, to me it reads that you know he feels great. He's getting cleared by certain doctors, but WWE on I'm literally just speculating here. I don't know any of this. But um like WWE aren't clearing him and he's like, I'm gonna go and wrestle elsewhere then. You know what I mean? Like I think they liked him in commentary, and don't get me wrong, he was doing great. But every time he started Raw, I was like, Oh, I really want him to come back and wrestle. 
you know. Um, so hopefully that happens at some point. Mm. And we see some with Joe the Samoan submission machine. Yeah, um, I, I, not, I, not wearing a cagoule. I'm intrigued to see, yes, I'm intrigued to see um, how the new announcer, whose name I forget, comes Adnan along. I think he, his name is. That's his name. Yeah, he's he's he's. Uh, I think he's got. I kind of, I think he's like fitting into the new pair of jeans right now. Do you know what I mean? I Absolutely. Think, and do you know I don't what? Think actually, the best I, think, of him. I think he he sounds like a sports reporter. You know, and I think that's something they could really use. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I think I think he's going to do well and stuff. But it is, I mean, that's a tough job. That's a really tough job. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. being a wrestling commentator where your job is not to call wrestling. That's why Michael Cole gets such a hard time, and I just don't think it's justified because you try and do that job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, man, like. It's it, and sometimes you need to hear bad announcers to realize just how actually good that the announcers are that sometimes get a lot of heat. So there are people who are giving this new guy a hard time. I think just because he's new and maybe he's not amazing yet, but he's going to be. People who like you mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago about Matt Stryker, how he was the cool guy, but then when he took over from right. Jr., um, he started getting a hard time. I, I watched an episode of SmackDown from O2. I'll say more about this later, um, just the other day. And uh, it starts off with just Michael Cole. And then the camera pans out. And uh, this is in 2002. He says that Taz is at home for a family emergency. And do you know who replaces him for that episode? Oh, uh, no. Let me try and guess, though. Give me a clue. It's it's somebody who I didn't even think was with the company at this point. Oh, I don't know then. Uh... He's a good hmm. dancer. He's a good dancer. Uh-huh. Scotty Too Hoy? Nope. It's Ernest the Cat Miller. <laughs> okay. On the Thanksgiving 2002 Smackdown. I would and never have got that. Ernest Miller was always full of charisma. Great dancing. I only really know him from Royal Rumble 2004, if I'm honest. I know he was in WCW. Yeah. Uh, he is a terrible commentator. And right. I think they actually, in post, must have cut a lot of his stuff out. And so, I mean, it's maybe not a fair comparison because we already knew that Taz was really good. Yeah. But, um, but you know, you listen to that or the way that some wrestlers struggle when they have to do a guest commentator spot. And, like, I just feel like give this the new guy on Raw a chance. What's the name again? Sorry, Adnan Vick, is that? Adnan Verk. Verk, sorry. My apologies for getting the name wrong. I'm just uh, getting used to him. No, listen, uh, we don't, I, he's only been on two weeks, you know. Let's, let's give the guy a chance, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when Miz did it for a bit on main event? Mm-hmm. I thought he was really good. Yeah, and, and yeah, obviously, an obviously it was just because he was injured or whatever, but, and obviously his, his talents are better being in the ring as this great heel, but that's definitely something he should be thinking about, you know, when he leaves or when he's yeah. he time to retire and stuff. Speaking of that, Daniel Bryan, right? Now, when this episode goes out, this is episode going out tomorrow, right? So on Friday, just there, we had an episode of SmackDown, mm-hmm. and it was announced that next week it's going to be Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan for the Universal title, and if Daniel Bryan loses, he's gone from SmackDown. Right. Um, there's been all these reports this week about Daniel Bryan saying that he's felt detached from the the product and he didn't feel as if he belonged in the WrestleMania main event, which is like, I wish he never said that because I loved that main event and now I'm yeah. like, oh well, Daniel Bryan didn't want to be there. Um, is this going to be like the end of Daniel Bryan's in ring career next week? It's possible. I'm going to pause you there, Chris, because I think my wife is about to leave. Okay, wife, are you there? Cool. Um, who do you think is going to win Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan next week in SmackDown? Roman Reigns, big ooh, a Samoan cousin of The Rock. Daniel Bryan, small goat-faced man. Who's going to win? 
goat face because she's a Capricorn. You hear it here first, folks, next week on SmackDown. Uh-huh. Daniel Bryan's going to win the Universal title. So these rumors that you're addressing, Chris, that you're we're talking about, uh, right. they're nonsense. Bye. Mwah. Um, love you. Bye, Kate. Okay. As Kate says goodbye to Luna, <laughs> um, we will. We're we are back in action, folks. Um, so you've got a bonus there, dear listener. You've got my way insight onto uh, the this upcoming SmackDown. So you're you're talking about these rumors that he's apparently uh, yeah, like, demoralized, a bit disengaged. He's thinking about maybe hanging up because he's not loving it as much as he should have been, and he's in the highest point of his career, like the main event at WrestleMania, and not mm-hmm. feeling like he belongs. And he's always been so hard hey, on himself. You know what I mean? He's a humble guy. I f- you do get that from interviews with himself that he has really and th- difficult expectations on himself. Right. And when you watch the documentaries about his his like the few years off that he had, and when he was getting clear to come back, he seemed to really not have a lot of confidence going into. Uh, you know that comeback match at WrestleMania with when he teamed with Shane McMahon. Um, yeah. I, I, but how could you watch that triple threat match from WrestleMania and not see that this guy belongs in the main event? So <laughs> you know, I, I'm guessing that Roman's probably going to win this match. Yeah. But I just hope that means one of two things: either Daniel Bryan's going to Raw or NXT, and that's going to be interesting. You know, that'll help things. That'll be really fresh. I think Daniel Bryan on NXT, I could see him wanting to do that just to work with different guys yeah um so I Finn, think that's oh my real, god real, and you know nxt's just moved to tuesday nights has given it a bit of a shot in the arm uh and that would be that would be really cool and and you want more eyes on nxt because even without the wednesday night wars anymore i think the product is still like if i'm the usa network is, is pulling in good viewers for wrestling nowadays yeah but i do think it could be better you know and uh you think if you're in the usa network and you're thinking well at one point we had raw and smackdown and now we have uh raw and nxt uh smackdown's gone off to fox you want something in, comp- in compensation that is suitable yeah um, the other alternative is that he's going to take some time off a part of me thinks that and you know, it's, these sort of predictions are futile now because you know we've seen Paul White go to AEW, we've seen Christian go to AEW. But part of me thinks that he really is a, a WWE lifer. He's earning yeah. so much money there, and he he more than he would even earn. I mean, I don't know what AEW can offer. I know they have a lot of funding, but you know, I suppose he could go to AEW. But I, doubt I, it, man. I don't think I want to see it. No, me neither. And I think he's he's working as a writer right now, isn't he? At SmackDown as well. So, I mean, even just taking that on as a bit more of a, you know, he's only, he'd only need to be there once a week sort of thing. Like, I think that's yeah. probably going to, he's, he's worried about his family and stuff. Not worried, yeah. but like he wants to spend time with his family. So that might be the better solution for him and stuff. But listen, I just, oh, I'm going to miss him when he's not in the ring, you know? I know, but to be honest, see if he, do you know, the, do you remember there was that point in 2010 where both Triple H and The Undertaker, you recognised that they'd stopped being full-time and it, they, they yeah. both kind of happened around the same time? If that's what's happening to Daniel Bryan now, if he now becomes the guy who wrestles, if this is what he wants, I don't know if he wants to be a part-timer, but if he becomes like Triple H and The Undertaker throughout the 2010s, I'm okay with that. Wrestle yep. a few times a year, protect your body, spend more time with your family, work from home when you when you can. Um, so whatever happens, like obviously we have our selfish impulses as wrestling fans. We love Daniel Bryan and, you know, that was such a great era for us as wrestling fans going from yeah. the 2010s and seeing him come into the WWE and, and, and his growth and, and the build-up to WrestleMania 30. But uh, just, despite those selfish impulses, I think, you know, I think I speak for both of us where we really just want what's best for him because he's yeah. given us so much and we can, as fans, possibly ask him for any more. Like, we will be thanking this man 
until his dying day. So yes, uh, we will be thankful for Daniel Bryan and winning hey! the case. There we go. Uh, you mentioned that would have been a natural t- transition, but I'm going in another direction. You mentioned WrestleMania 30 there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about watching all of the opening matches in WrestleMania history. Oh, yeah. I can now present to you my top five because I've right. ranked them all. Hit me. And I'm, I'm going to put on the YouTube channel a ranking of all 37 of them, which is, I don't know what to do because WrestleMania 36 and 37 technically had two openers, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or do you count the first match of the first nightly opener? No, I would say they now have two openers just like they have two main events. I think it's... Yep. I think that makes sense. Uh, but here is my top five WrestleMania opening matches of all time, up to and including 37. Nice. So at number five, coming at number five, re- very respectable uh, number, we have AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon from WrestleMania 33. Surprisingly great match. Now, why do we? Why are we surprised that an AJ Styles match, AJ Styles, who I do think may be the best male wrestler on the planet, um, Absolutely, I uh, think he's definitely yeah. my favorite male like wrestler, you know. Yeah, uh, and uh, he could wrestle anyone, and it would look amazing. And but and Shane McMahon gets a lot of flag, but he for for what he does in the ring, he's good at it, you know. So I, I I'm not yeah. surprised that's so high on your list. I mean, people were just an uproar around that time. They were like, I can't believe this is how they're treating AJ, putting him with Shane. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, Shane always brings in, like, big performances. It's always one of those moments that you always remember and stuff. And AJ is going to make it work. You know what I mean? Like, same with The Miz at 35. What a Mm -hmm. random feud that was. But it ended up being really cool. Like, I I don't know. And see with Shane and and AJ. Who was the heel and who was the face in that match? Keep me right. Uh, AJ was the heel. AJ was the heel, right. You know, so, do you know what? Just look at the match and judge for yourself to those of you who are detractors of, of Shane. I, I get the overusage thing, but and I don't want to go too much into a tangent here, but I'll make one quick point. People were getting really annoyed at Shane McMahon about his exposure, especially when he was heel and in the build-up to the Miz match in 2019. Yep. Um, and I'm like, do you know what a heel is supposed to be? And they'll, they'll go, oh no, but this is X-Pac, X-Pac heat. And I'm like, well, but he is heat. If you're getting booed yeah. in the building, he's doing I'm his sorry, job. It's a problem if the people aren't showing up to boo him. Like you can't look at WrestleMania 35 and look at how many people were in that stadium watching Shane versus the Miz, uh, and tell me that there's something wrong with it. I'm not saying it was a perfect presentation, but I I, I never get that. Oh, we don't like this guy. Well, you're you're paying to boo him. You're subscribing to the network to see him get his ass kicked. You know. Yeah. Anyway, I can I, I digress. I digress. Speaking of great heels, number four on my list, I have Bret Hart versus Owen Hart at WrestleMania 10. It's just poetry, this match, isn't it? It's it's art. It's a painting that you you can stare at and so you can you can look in really closely and look at very specific bits, or you can step back and look at the entire landscape, and you'll yep. see something different every time. That is what how beautiful this match is. And I'm not the biggest fan of Vince McMahon on commentary. Um, oh, I hate but... Vince McMahon on commentary. He got him! He got him! He's the champion! He always does that, doesn't he? He goes, he goes, oh, and he got him! No, he didn't. But then I love this. I love the banter between... Vince and, and King on this match. Like, King is just, like, all about Owen, and Vince just hates Owen, and it's, it's a really funny relationship they have. And as you say, the match is, is almost perfect. I, I much prefer it to the SummerSlam match. I know yeah, you like the SummerSlam I cage do. match a lot. Um, but I love the fact this is opener to WrestleMania. I love the story, the fact that Brett still has a world title match to go, but mm. Owen still gets the win. 
But then when Brett wins the world title in the main event, Owen comes out and just stands there and just is like that look on his face when he's celebrating mm. with all his pals. Like, oh God, it's such a great moment. So, And maybe one of the best moments of that whole era, if I'm honest. So uh, Brett and Owen is number four on my list. Number three, surprisingly to myself, is Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor versus The Miz from WrestleMania mm. 34. I had in my head... Oh, that was a good match, good opening and stuff. When I rewatched this, I was like, that was one of the best matches, not only on that show, but of the entire year in WWE in 2018, in my opinion. Um, do you remember this match at all? I remember the match happening. And do you know what? I don't, I've never gone back to watch that mania. Uh, and so I remember being excited for it. I think I remember enjoying it at the time, but I don't remember it being in that, in that category of classic. I don't well, doubt that it was, but I'll tell you what. I watched that WrestleMania live, so by by that time I was probably a few beers in. I probably was chatting to my friends and not giving it the, the credit that's due. And the thing that I remember most about it was going on a complete 180 at first when Finn Balor came out, first going, Oh, he's not the demon, and then realizing he was doing this thing with the LGBTQ community, yeah. and I thought, Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, and so I, re- I remember that. But now that you've said this, I think we're gonna have to go back and watch this. Well, match. listen. I'm not doing recommendation of this this week, but if I had the match of the week, this would be it. I think it's definitely worth a rewatch. Okay. Um, keep in mind that this is like there's something I don't know how to explain it, but there's something about the fact that it's the WrestleMania opener that I like. Mm-hmm. Same with all these matches. There's like a, it's like a special spot on the show. We talked about it with Drew and Lashley this year. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and this was a weird era for like Raw and SmackDown because it was like they knew that like I don't know. It was just weird and and. There's something about the both shows that were like distinct and, and a coachman's on commentary, which is a nice boost for us as well. We love to coach. We love coach. And Rollins had all this momentum at the time and Miz had this momentum as this great heel and stuff. It's just a great, great triple threat match. So I'll definitely recommend that to all the listeners and to you, my friend. Nice. Uh, number two on my greatest WrestleMania openers list, I have Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero from WrestleMania 21. Ah, right, okay. I, I I have seen this match a few times now, uh, and I I think I need to go back and watch this match objectively because I think every time I've tried to watch it, I've been thinking too much about Halloween having nineteen. I was going to say that's the it's the obvious comparison, you know. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's like it's like different eras, isn't it? Like yeah. that was ninety seven, and this is 05, and this is that like a, again a WrestleMania opener. They have a limited time. And you want to talk about a great match to get the crowd buzzed for the show, yeah. And um, like it's it's so funny because WrestleMania is such um such important real estate to have. Like if you have a match on WrestleMania, then it's got to be like this big match, especially when it wasn't two nights. Um, yeah. especially around that time when the roster's so so stacked as well. So the fact that Eddie and Ray have this great opener and they were tag champions at the time adds that wee bit of story to it. It's more about like this sort of respect thing. Yeah, and then later yeah. in 05, it's like this real blood feud, but. In terms of this one, it's all about who can top the other one. They're, they're like best friends and they both know that it's WrestleMania, so they need to kind of go for it anyway. I've always liked this one. I have fond memories of this WrestleMania. Um, one of the first that I ever watched live and was able to stay up that late. Um, right. So I've got a soft spot for this match. So definitely check that one out as well. Okay. And uh, my number one, which I think is the best WrestleMania opener of all time, is Daniel Bryan versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30. I mean, most of the openers are usually not much longer than 10 minutes or so yep. right um and this is one of those few exceptions this this is a as, as i recall because i think i've only watched this once and that was watching it live as i recall this is like a proper 20 minute like classic, god you need to it? watch it this is this is a proper story mm-hmm. like such a great match and this followed 
Rock, Austin and Hogan. Yeah. Even coming out in the opening that. segment. Uh, which I watched again when I watched this this show or this match in such a good moment. So uh, yes, this match follows that and it's it's all about the story of Daniel Bryan going to that main event and stuff against Batista and Orton. But then, I, I mean, looking at it now, it's obvious what was going to happen. Like the fact that he was mm-hmm. going to beat Triple H going this. But at the time, I remember thinking they were going to do Batista and Orton anyway. They might just go, nope, <laughs> evolution triple threat or something, you know? Yeah. And I just, yeah. like, it was that kind of horrible thought in the back of your mind that it might happen. Yeah. Um, plus, Triple H hasn't had a wrestling match like that in years at that point. Mm. And he properly reminds everybody how great of a wrestler he is. <laughs> Daniel Bryan's selling himself so well. Plus, there's like that, you know now in retrospect that he had like his neck was hanging on with like a thread. Jesus. So it adds that bit of like risk to it as well. It is a masterpiece, this match. It gets talked about a lot. Um, but then also, I think it's quite underrated as an actual classic because it's the opener mm-hmm. and it's the precursor to Brian winning the world title. Mm-hmm. But it's such a good match. And if you're going to watch three matches this week, <laughs> there's the three for you <laughs> or five even. <laughs> nice, nice. Noted. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good list. It'd be, I, I bet a lot. I wonder how many people out there have made a list like that. You know, you've got your kind of cultaholics and wrestling right, talks yeah. and, you know, what cultures and, you know, I wonder if, if there's an online list of that somewhere that someone else's opinion, their two cents on the issue. But man, I, I, uh, that, that was, um, that was fun. It was fun to rethink about a few of those matches. Like I've not thought about Eddie and Ray at WrestleMania 21 yeah. in a long time. I just remember Ray's mask kept being badly in that mask. <laughs> he, right. he keeps adjusting it and I found that really off-putting. Right. Uh, maybe it's because in the, in the Halloween Havoc one, Eddie rips it. Yeah. He rip, rips his mask. So maybe it's just like playing a wee, I don't know. <laughs> Looking back, call back to that moment? Probably not. Probably not. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's a good match and, and I think it's definitely worth checking out all those those five matches that I chatted about. And again, I'm going to rank all 30, well, 39 uh, WrestleMania opening matches on the YouTube channel. So nice. the link to all the YouTube stuff will be in the podcast description, as always. What do you want to do? You want to take a toilet break or are you ready to be thankful for something? Uh, I don't want to take a toilet break, but I do want to pour a coffee for myself. So can we okay. do a... a, a can, I don't think we can do a new jingle, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna perform it live, Chris, for right. our audience. And okay. um... <clears throat> coffee break. Ooh yeah. Listen, that was close enough to the new thing. That was good. I'm back, better than ever. Got <laughs> for making things better. Face facts. Cause your opinion don't matter That maniac is gonna step on her ever I think so, yeah It's time to get mine Cause I'm gonna make a change Kicking ass, picking names Doing something, baby And, and uh, let me just turn the echo off I don't know the rest of the words <laughs> uh, That was a beautiful rendition anyway Of Easy E's theme song I flipping love that theme song me too me i too. love it i'm watching so much stuff from that era right now and <laughs> he's so good i love general manager bischoff and i've had to pick like a general manager to bring back he'd be my man yeah definitely definitely you okay right, well that? you mentioned that you're watching some old two stuff you want to talk about it yeah i, I don't I, you know i'm watching it and chris i would even go as far to say that i am thankful for it is oh right? god could you reach up to the shelf and pull down record number three, which is that got the the jingle for what I'm thankful for in wrestling this week? I can't. It's not. It's not on the shelf. Oh, it's already in the thing. Okay, right. And all right, here we go. 
What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Ooh, yeah. Thank you, Chris. Right, so... Uh, I, I have been compiling a list of things that I'm thankful for because uh, we've, we haven't spoken in a while and uh, I've got a lot of things. But this one this one kind of is weird and it's personal. And so I'm going to start off and I'm going to try not spend too long with this, Chris. If I'm going on and on, tell me to shut up. Okay. Um, but first and foremost, I am thankful for wrestling in 2002. Our podcast, historically has been a bit of a love letter to 2001. And why wouldn't it be? It is an, right. it, 01 is an amazing year in wrestling. And it's uh, something that I enjoyed a lot because I rewatched a lot of 01 through the first lockdown. Uh, and of course, we just celebrated 20 years since WrestleMania 17 for episode mm-hmm. 50. Easily one of the best episodes we've ever done. So dear listener, if you're new to us uh, and you want to hear us uh, our absolute golden best, even though it's a segmentless show, Go back and listen to episode 50. It's a great, I think it's a great starting point and uh, to get to yeah, know us as podcasters. Um, so I, I I, ain't taking, it's not a contest. I'm not taking anything away from 2001, but I have been watching a lot of 2002 and I'm easily starting to think that it might very well be the best. Uh, uh, who's that in my door? <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. I'm going to put my t-shirt door. back on. He's just putting his t-shirt back on. I was just sitting there with my tea. <laughs> he was just sitting, doing the pod shirtless, ladies and gents. And now there's someone at the door. God love the person at the door. Who yeah, was it? Right. Uh, it was just Amazon. Uh, Luna doesn't like intruders, so she was a bit riled up there. Uh, now, I must say, I'm not looking forward to coming over if Luna's not going to like intruders. She doesn't, it's not that she just, she's just, like, she's met you once, right? So. Well, actually, she refused to meet me, actually. Do you know what? She was in a lot of pain at that point in her life. Fair, she's, she's fair. Good, she's good now. Uh, it was also bloody freezing that day. So, um, <laughs> I was yes. thinking, so that's one of like the few pictures we have together. I'm standing I outside your house holding Christmas packages. <laughs> and lo- hopefully there will be many more to, to take. Um, yeah. So I, I was talking about 2002 before we were in, uh, introduced by um, a Glamazon Beth Phoenix delivery driver. Um, so... Um, <laughs> I was saying that our show has has really played out as a love letter to 2001 for lots of reasons, and I won't go into all of them there. But, you know, off the top of my head, we spent a lot of time defending things that are usually panned, like the invasion. Uh, and, and I stand by everything that we've said. But I really do think that 2002 may just be the best year in the history of American wrestling. And Bold statement. Bold statement. But I, I think it's best, a fair one. Yeah, and maybe I would be better saying it may be my favourite year. It's because it's a personal thing, and it's a personal story, and if I could be so bold, uh, there's a personal backdrop to this that I'm going to... Some aspects of this I touched upon way back in, I think, episode two, when we talked about our wrestling stories, but um, let me explain, and I'll be quick as I can. So, as you know, Chris, and some of the listeners might know, I, uh, I moved house last year, uh, I, I'm sitting in my living room right now, my new house, and I actually moved back to the town I grew up in um, after you know years living in flats and like different parts of Glasgow and the West End and the South Side, and uh, and I'm, I kind of come full circle in life. I'm married and we're living together, obviously. I mean, um, and <laughs> and you know we were talking at the top of the show about going for walks and stuff, and so I've been with the better weather. I've been trying to get out a bit more, uh, especially as we just had the Easter holidays there. I've been going for a lot of big walks around 
this town that was once so uh, familiar to me and I'm kind of becoming reacquainted with it and I went along a ways on a walk a few, about two weeks ago and I walked past my, my childhood home. Right. And, um, for personal context, this is the house that I lived at uh, when my mum and dad were still together. Uh, so from like, well, I think my first home was a flat, but this is the first home that I really remember. Uh, okay. This house, this kind of, it was like your nuclear family. Like it was, you know, two kids and uh, a pet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and parents as well. Um <laughs> And, the pet was in charge. Um, yeah, exactly. And that, you know, oh, and you talk about the, those personal things in our wrestling stories. You know, I remember vividly, uh, you know, playing where, where I was when certain things in my figure, figure, figure fed happened, which room, a.k.a. arena, I yep. was in in that house. And it has so much importance to me. And um, my parents my parents separated. They're, oh, they've, they've now been divorced, but um, in 2002. And so a lot of things in my life have changed very quickly. And I have alluded and talked about this in, in parts before. Um, so it was around about May of 2002 this happened. And then all of a sudden, like, the, there, was, there, was, there wasn't as much money in the house because the incomes were split and we had to give up the house because, you know, one parent alone couldn't hold up that income right. uh, required for those mortgage payments. Um, it was also as my primary school years was coming to an end. And uh, so uh, very quickly, I had to move out of that house and very quickly didn't have access to any like internet or any wrestling or any TV deals because these were expenses that were just unnecessary. And, they, they, yeah. they, you know, it's funny to say now, but the internet in 2002 was still a luxury. It was not a necessity in your household. Um, and so... Uh, the only other way I would have to keep up with wrestling would be to talk to my friends, but we'd just hit the summer holidays. And I didn't have a mobile phone then, and so I didn't even know their house numbers. So I literally had a, a really, really freaking lonely summer uh, where all these other things in my life were changing. Um, and I think I carried that with me for a long time in the years afterwards because I would have dreams about my old house and stuff. And I think, right. I think I actually was not traumatized, but I think... Oh, no, it stayed with you, though. It stayed with me for a long time, and I kept having dreams about that house. So I walked, all this was coming back to me um, when I walked past this house, and this does relate to 2002 wrestling, I assure you. <laughs> um, uh, so then I remember finally during that summer holidays being able to get in touch with Robert and ask him for a play date like to see if we could hang out. So my mum picked him up, but Robert thought he was going back to my old house. And my mum had to explain to him in the car on the way what had happened and why he's, she's taken us to a different place. Um, and I remember that same summer getting access to the internet and finally getting to log on to WWF.com. And I was really excited because, you know, so much had changed. But right. wrestling was my home comfort, but I felt like I'd lost it for a number of, like, it was only a few weeks, but you know what the summer holidays are like when you're the kid, they last forever. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, you know, all this, all this stuff in my life is, feels terrible right now. I'm going to go back to the thing that I love. And I, in the summer of 2002, I thought I was going to go back to what it was when I left it. And that was The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, The Undertaker and Kane. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hogan, the NW, you know, I thought I was going to get that and then a lot i put into wwf.com and this this thing um 
strangely enough, my dad's phoning me right now. Can I take this? <laughs> yeah, I'm of so course. Sorry. Hold on, hold on. Stay there. Sorry, that's my dad heading up. That's okay. weird because I'm just talking about him. That's um, nice you're going to get to see him. I know, yeah. So um, I go into WWF.com and this redirection page goes up and says, you are now entering WWE.com. I'm hold part- up. So this, this is how you found out? Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, oh, wow. I didn't have friends to talk to. I, yeah. I didn't, and I know they they changed in May two thousand and two when I would have still been at school. But for whatever reason, I didn't know this. Like I didn't know. Yeah, it. sometimes that happens. Yeah, you know, and it just what life and news wasn't as immediate then as it is now yep. in in this mu- in this much more digital age that we live live in. Um, and so even and then I'm like, it looks so different. SmackDown looks different. Raw looks different. Where's Steve Austin? Where's my favorite wrestler? You know, um, and I think I I I felt sad about that. Um, so I've got I'm I'm dealing with, with this loss of a home, which seems like a very first world problem. Like privileged child loses his family home and gets to go to two other nice houses right. where he he is, if anything, loved even more by his parents. I have to stress that I did not have a traumatic childhood when my parents divorced. My life, when I look back on it, got better. My parents were happier. Um, my, uh, my, I felt even more loved, and I got two Christmases and two birthdays every year. Right, like absolutely. I am, my 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 story is not a tragic story. Like I I am I have been privileged my entire life, um, and I'm very aware of that. But and so then I have this moment a few weeks ago where I walk past this house and I've been watching 2002, and I'm currently at in the build up to Armageddon 02, so I'm just at the tail end of it. And I just got overwhelmed emotionally, uh, and I kept thinking about um, how so many things in life changed, and that, that it just seemed weird that WWE changed at the yeah. same time aesthetically and its product and, and what it was doing and its creative direction. And I feel like by watching two thousand and two now, and I know this sounds weird, I feel like. I'm making up with a friend that I fell out with years ago, and we're just saying, Do you know what? That was stupid. You know, yeah. let's just forget about it and, and be friends again. That's and not weird like- at all because I probably would guess because those changes, you probably always kind of had this little bit of judgment towards it in your head. You, you mm-hmm. wouldn't want to admit it, but the subconscious kind of like, Oh, it's not the same. I'm not yeah. enjoying it. Where's Steve Austin? Because um, that's happened to me before too, not maybe not with wrestling, but like loads of things where I just don't enjoy as much because I've got this wee personal petty thing, yep. you know, and now looking back, you go, what was I thinking? You I know? know, and the, the funny thing is though, like over the last 10 years, I, 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 I'm I, a passionate wrestling fan, so I know that 2002 from an in-ring point of view, especially SmackDown, is, is very highly regarded. I know about the SmackDown 6, but I never watched that week by week as it was happening. You know, I never yep. saw those things week by week as it was happening. And Raw, Raw is good. Raw's definitely had better eras than 2002. But yep. SmackDown is unreal. Believe the hype, folks. And it's one thing just to go back and watch the pay-per-views. But if you're watching every single week, the the, the way these stories are told is, is just excellent. And it is not without flaws. Do not get me wrong. There is a lot about this rewatching in 2002 that I really wince at. I don't need to talk about and specify. You can tell, you can guess for yourself the things in 2002 that we would, we would rather forget or at least learn from. But it's... Uh, it's outstanding, and it weirdly took me standing and, and staring outside this house that I hadn't stepped in, in, in into for nearly 19 years. That's crazy, man. 
to for this emotional full circle thing to happen. And then when I started going back to watch the second half of O2, post Summer Slams after that, I was like, I'm really getting into this. I, it's like I became friends with 2002 again. And I don't think I've enjoyed watching old wrestling as much as much as this at any other point in my life. And so, and I think it's just something that I do typically. I'm a sentimental, emotional person. So I will attach a lot of meaning and sentiment to things that maybe other people wouldn't. But I just, I uh, did something to me, man. Walking past no. the house and watching those shows. I love that, and I can totally relate to that in terms of you just feel it's so strange, isn't it, when you think about it? But you just feel so attached to it. Um, like I've talked about nostalgia before, right? How I've always, always looked back at things with rose-colored glasses on, and I'm like, oh yeah. my god, everything was so beautiful back in the day. But probably, maybe at that time, not everything seemed beautiful. But when you look back, you go, oh, those were the days, you know, yeah. nostalgia at its best. But wrestling for me, because it's been that constant in my life. We've spoke about this before. It has literally. We spoke about this on episode fifty, actually. WrestleMania 17, I had watched at least a bit of every year since 2001. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's yep. this constant throughout your life. And you look back on these certain years and certain parts of your life and, you know, when you're going through family struggles or you're going through like a breakup or you're, or you're having this really happy time in your life. You know, it's like you associate these mm -hmm. moments, these pivotal moments in your life with something that's constant. And for us, that constant is wrestling, you yep. know? So when I look back at that time, I think back to, I've always, you know, be very lucky with like my family, I've always been into wrestling and stuff. So I've got these great memories watching wrestling with friends and family and that sort of thing. So I look back at those those days, especially things like, oh, see, like 01 through 06, 07 sort of time. Yeah. I look back at that with just so many fond memories. I can't even remember any problems in my life around that time. You know, when I was young, of course, but like, we all had problems, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's just I don't know. I totally get where you're coming from. Where it's we you you take that thing which for us is wrestling, and you just associate it with all these great times. And it's, if you see something that kind of sparks that memory, it like mm -hmm. takes you right back there, and it can sometimes overwhelm you. Yeah. You know. And yeah, so I don't I don't know if any of our listeners have had similar experiences, but I think when you when you have a constant in your life like wrestling that evolves with your life and when you when you are genuinely passionate and, and have loving feelings towards that hobby, that interest, it, it's hard not to wrap it up with, with your own life. And I suppose music and films do the same thing. Songs right, and yeah. movies can take you right back to a moment in your life that and you, it's only when you see these things that you realize that these cultural codes become measuring sticks for your own personal growth. And you, oh, you, what a you, quote! What a but quote! It, but it's true. Last night, Chris, I was sat in my friend's garden. My friend is Megan and Chris, not you, but you. They were on the Zoom call at my birthday. You I might, remember. Um, yes, I kept, I kept um, answering when someone said Chris, and I was like, oh, yeah. it's not okay. <laughs> and so I, I was me and my wife. We went round and sat in their garden. We had a barbecue and a few drinks last night. And I first knew Megan uh, twelve years ago. I met her when I worked at McDonald's, and uh, we were at uni together. So we were eighteen and nineteen when we met. And, and now we both live in the same town, a stone's throw away from each other. And we've gone from being these insecure teens who were just trying to find their way in their life to feeling really comfortable in life through hard work and through the sacrifices that we've made and and rather than think about the journey i just thought about those two polarizing points that where i was 12 years ago when i met her and where i am now married and and still friends with her and right um i just you know i think what this comes back to to bring this all full circle is that it just gives me gratitude and so when I tell this story about O2 wrestling, it's not me trying to elicit sympathy. I I just I just became so aware of my own growth um, 
and it was kind of like a self-love thing I guess some might call it arrogant but I just felt very very proud very moved and and really 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 thankful for what I've got not just for 2002 wrestling but for my life and I suppose with the last 12 months I've thought as anything is it's the importance of gratitude right um yeah I realize we've been talking for an hour and I probably need to go in 10 or 15 minutes uh yeah, yeah, and that's uh, cool. But, uh, I think so that's a good. I, it was a, um, that was really long winded, my friend. But I just, you know, it, it's cathartic. Uh, you have Absolutely. been such a good friend to me, like in talking to you. I, I realized in the last year, I've had so many cathartic experiences <laughs> speaking to you into a microphone, and often saying I can't even see you. I'm a good listener, and so are the listeners. <laughs> yeah, <they are. laughs> you know, I had a, I had a FaceTime last night with Paul from the By the Way podcast, oh, yeah. and he's he's been one of my longest friends. My earliest memory with him is watching the Great American Bash 2006 and Chavo Guerrero turns on Rey Mysterio and the two of us just being absolutely devastated. Yeah. Um, we had a FaceTime last night and we were just, we were just catching up whatever. And then we started talking about like old times. And we had this like game of football when we were all young and like all these different other like kids who live in our kind of street were all out playing with us and stuff. And we just had this, we were in fits of laughter last night on FaceTime, thinking back to that, to that, game of football we played in like 2005 mm-hmm. or whatever you know that's lovely and it's so funny how it's like that one thing you know you're thinking back to and as you say coming full circle now we're sitting in the middle of still a pandemic talking on facetime thinking back remember that 15 20 years ago when we did that together so yeah it's crazy how how things come full circle and uh we're here on a podcast chatting about it and there's nothing wrong with that this is a wrestling podcast and it just so happens that we love wrestling. I think that's a good, you know, bit to yeah, put a bow on this episode. I think so. Um, I, I would just say, if you're new and you're listening to us in this episode, like, this is kind of what we do. We do talk about stuff, but we're not really, really a reviews kind of podcast, and we're not very hugely committed to the current product. We talk about wrestling and how it connects to us. And, it's about and, how and wrestling our lives. connects us. Absolutely. It's our lives, and so... That's the kind of theme of our podcast. We try to do something really positive here. So if you are new listening to us or if you're old and listening to us, um, please review us, contact us, hit us up on social media. It would mean a a great deal to me and Chris. Chris breaks his back for this podcast and for his other awesome podcast, The Good Bit. And he deserves deserves the credit and he deserves a... We we deserve more listeners because of his effort, if nothing else. (laughs) I've got actually something to tell you about that as well, so we'll, we'll wrap up here and then we will move on to another episode, which will be next week. It'll be episode 55, nice. which is going to be excellent. And easy, uh, you Rangers fans. And, <laughs> good, I'm glad you got that, yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will do, uh, next week, we will have a meet a wrestler and we'll have some more tomfoolery, which is one of my favourite words, uh-huh. and we will be here for another exciting episode. So thank you very much for listening, everybody, to episode 54. Take care of yourselves. And remember to stay safe out there in that big, bad world. Be grateful, be thankful, and enjoy wrestling.